this episode, we would like to say that in the spirit of reconciliation, that we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to the land, sea and community. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Spaghettification Podcast. My name is Astro Steffi. And I'm the Drunk Astronomer. So, welcome back yes. to a, welcome back. a rather random um, episode of Spaghettification because we realised we'd never interviewed each other. Mm-hmm. So nobody really knows diddly squat about us. They know yes. a lot about our um, our guests, but not much about us. Mm-hmm. So we thought, let's talk about ourselves and be narcissistic. And <laughs> no, we've both got interesting things to talk about. Who's your guest? Do you have a My guest? My guest is yeah. Marcus Garrow. And hey. so we also know him as the Drunk Astronomer. By day, the Drunk Astronomer fri- fights building crime by designing amazing pieces of architecture for his science, battling local council planning departments and building surveyors to create the most magnificent outcomes possible. However, <laughs> he's doing some some uh, uh, superhero moves. Fisticuffs. <laughs> However, one night falls, we find him under the stars enjoying a cold beer and imaging with his phone camera. So he reckons that a phone camera is pretty good uh, replacement for proper astro gear. Away from work and his hobby of astrophotography, which I think he's made up. The drug astronomer I, have, dabbles. I, I did make that up. Yes, absolutely made that up. <laughs> the drug astronomer dabbles in being president of the Astron- Astronomical Society of Victoria and enjoys walks on the beach, watching sunsets. Oh, no, that's not right. He enjoys hiking, generally being wild, crazy, and creative. Welcome. I'm pretty sure everyone knows how weird and wild and creative and stupid I am. The really interesting thing is, is um, I don't have two. Well, I do have two children, and then myself as the third child. So, my first question for you, Mark, is: You're an architect by day, so tell us what you do there. Um, uh, I, I, I don't have a, um, I don't have a receptionist, so there's no, there's no, um, uh, Mr. Kelly's Architectural Services <laughs> speaking can I help you. Um, I am my own. Mm-hmm. Receptionist, so I do it all. I design everything. I take it through council, do all the town planning, write all of the fun, exciting reports that you have to write yeah, in response right. to planning regulations, um, and then I do all of the construction documentation, cabinetry design, uh, lighting layouts, uh, fittings and finishes. So I get to select mm-hmm. all the taps and toilets, oh, and kitchen nice. <laughs> sinks and stone bench tops, and all of that fun stuff for all my mm-hmm. clients. It's a lot of fun. I've been yeah. doing it since so I finished high school in 95 and started doing that in 96. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that while I was um, studying. I started working. So I did, sorry, I did one year of, of TAFE mm-hmm. um, at Holmes Glen and then started studying part-time from there and worked full-time. So I've been in the industry essentially since 97. So what's that, That's 25 a long time. years? 25 years, yeah, yeah. And I'm 44 and, years young, so. <laughs> yeah, so what sorts of things do you usually design? Is it homes or is it more for, like, corporate um, sort of clients? Or? What do we say? Um, what's, what's, that, what's that saying? Uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Um, started off in residential doing mm-hmm. extensions and renovations and new homes. Uh, have dabbled over the years in apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. Uh, got recently started tipping my my hat into um, childcare centres and even more recently aged care facilities. Uh, I've done real estate agents, commercial offices, so you name it, I've done it, multi-unit yeah. townhouse developments, the works. So it's whatever's going around, uh, whatever yeah. my clients want me to do. 
have you ever worked for like a big firm or have you always sort of been in it? Oh, no, no, I've worked for lots of different companies. I, I, um, I've worked for the devil known as the volume builder industry. Um, spent some time working with the likes of Porter Davis Homes, did some contracting work to Simmons, mm-hmm. um, got out of that probably in mid-2000s and started working for myself and uh, now do a lot of consulting work to um, developers. And um, So my next question is, how did you get started in astronomy and astrophotography? Uh, that's an interesting one because uh, as a kid I liked space. I loved Star Wars. Uh, liked watching Deep Space Nine Star Trek. wasn't really a Trekkie. Um, Star Wars is better than Star Trek. Sorry, guys. Um, but you know, and I used—I can remember sitting in the um, in the boot of my parents' station wagon. Yes, mm-hmm. in the boot, without a seatbelt, laying down, because um, that's what you did in the late eighties or in the eighties. In the VC Commodore, staring up at, looking at the bright stars in the sky as we're driving home from my grandparents. Um, liked watching space stuff, learning about space and the planets, but never really did anything else other than that. Uh, apparently, I saw Halley's Comet. Oh, I don't nice. remember. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't remember. Apparently, my mother says I did. I still don't believe it because I don't remember it. Um, but, yeah, didn't really do much with astronomy and science other than, you know, watching YouTubes and watching documentaries and that. And then um, my son when he was eight, showed a very, very keen interest in astronomy. Mm -hmm. Um, So because of that, he got a telescope for Christmas that year. Um, He joined the ASV as a junior, and I started taking him along to the junior meetings once a month, Mm -hmm. and then I started taking him along to Deep Sky section meeting up at the Dark Sky site, Um, Mm -hmm. and I started falling in love with astronomy. Uh, It was so much fun. Um, And the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it, the more I enjoyed it, the more I wanted to share it with people. Um, and I always said when we when I first started doing it, I always said that I would never be one of those astrophotographers. It's the dark side. <laughs> I'm not going to go to the dark side. Um, I'll stay on it. I'll be a visual astronomer. They're the cool guys. <laughs> uh, and I became friends with um, the Deep Sky Section Director, Paul Gardner. Um, we have, both have uh, an affinity, uh, a love for beer, for all things craft mm-hmm. beer. And so we would then just love to catch up and share share drinks under the stars and look look at the objects, look at galaxies, look at nebulas, look at planetary nebulas, find yeah. some obscure things to look at. Uh, and most of my knowledge comes from him. Uh, I've learned a lot from him. And it just evolved from there. And then I like I, I got a phone and I used to take my phone and hook it up to the ASV's 25-inch and take photos of the moon or photos of Jupiter. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what I can do with that. Can I push that further? So then I started taking Milky Way shots with it all. And then I got a, a $10 adapter and hooked mm-hmm. it onto the um, 40-inch that the ASV's got and started taking mm-hmm. photos of, of um, Orion. Yep. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And we, uh, mm-hmm. I've got an eight-inch mead. Um, mm-hmm. So I started setting that up in the backyard just prior to lockdown, to COVID hitting, um, and attached my phone to it because it's two-star alliance site tracks, and I started taking 10-second, mm-hmm. 30-second exposures of objects using an app. Yep. And I'm like, this is really cool. I wonder if I can get an app that allows me to take raw data images so I can stack them, and I found one. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden... Yes. It's evolved from there to I now use a Google Pixel 5 
mm-hmm. which I've got here for those who are watching on YouTube and the person watching the stream now will see. Mm-hmm. It's just hooked onto a little Saxon phone holder. Mm-hmm. And I have an app on that called Deep Sky Camera App, which takes photos in raw data format and it lets mm-hmm. me do 32-second exposures. I can do change the ISO settings like a mm-hmm. digital SLRs can. And I yeah. now have an, a, a um, Skywatcher Star Adventure, a Skywatcher ED80 uh, telescope, mm-hmm. and um, I get them set up, hook the phone onto it, and I can do a 120, 240 exposure run if I want now. I don't have to sit out there. When I first started, I'd have to sit out there and click the Bluetooth clicker. Yeah, yeah. Take a yeah. photo. 30 seconds later, click it again, take another photo. Now I can do pretty much what most astrophotographers do. So last night the cycling was on and I want to watch the Tour de France. I watch it every year. So I put it on Lagoon Nebula, put the phone on there, 120 images, start. And went inside in the warmth and sat and watched the cycling <laughs> here in eight cheese. Um <laughs> So that's sort of where the journey started and where it's at now. Um, mm. And and that's all because of Blake. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, that sort of um, preempts my next question, which was your children are both super into astronomy. Um, did they tag along with you or were you following their interests? Oh, no. Well, you? see, Blake is the reason that I'm doing what I do. Like he's yeah. the reason I got into astronomy mm-hmm. um, because I used to take him to juniors and then I started helping Chris out a little bit with juniors, Chris Raj, the guy who runs the junior yeah. section. Um, and he's the reason that I do as much as I do in the ASV because he's the reason that I got interested in it. Um, but yeah, because of him, that's it. And Sadie, she she loves she loves it because I love it, and because mm-hmm. like she's my little princess, um, <laughs> and she she just likes to spend as much time as she can with me because I spend so much time doing astronomy. She spends a lot of time doing astronomy, and she starts she she really loves doing it. So, mm-hmm. got a public viewing night for the ASV this Saturday night, and she's coming yeah. with me. Mm-hmm. Um, to help out because she wants to. She came yeah. to the talk that um, I hosted for the AC on the okay. Sunday just gone where we had two NASA scientists because she mm-hmm. wanted to come and hang out and be a part of it. She helped set up. Sorry, not set up, no. So she helped pack up um, mm-hmm. and she had questions that she wanted to ask the the scientists as well. So her interest comes from me. My interest comes from Blake. Yeah, my, my dad is very similar where I was – We'll talk about this when we do my interview. But, um, yeah, yeah, don't, don't spoil the interview. Um, yeah, my my dad has definitely got more into astronomy as I um, have got more into it. I think when I was a kid and I was really into it, I was a bit more sort of private about it. Like my parents obviously knew that I was very into astronomy, but, um, but yeah, uh, we grew up in Newcastle, which is, I would say, a bit of a different environment than here in Melbourne where there's a lot more sort of going on that, that um, kids and teenagers can get into. But anyway, yeah, we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about that one later on now. Yeah. So I am going to ask you now about the Astronomical Society of Victoria. So you've mentioned the junior section. So yes. do you want to tell us about that? Because my first part was how did you first get involved, which it sounds like this is part of. That's, yeah, got involved through three juniors with Blake um, and – used to take him to juniors on a Friday night once a month. And the very first time I took him, um, he sat on my lap outside for the first well, nearly hour, didn't want to go inside, um, then got him inside, sat on my lap inside, didn't really want to converse. And then by the time he'd stopped doing juniors and was sort of getting into radio astronomy section and deep sky section, um, he was doing talks for the ASV. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so any opportunity that I got to put him in front of the right people that he wanted to be, that he needed to be in front of, um, I would take. And that just meant that I started meeting more and more people in the society and getting to know more and more people and coming to the conclusion that these people are me, uh, they're my people. I like these sort of people. I, I get along with these people. Um, and I have a, I guess, a, a natural flair for um, creativity and uh, being able to do things that people think can't be done. Um, if you tell me something can't be done, I will do my damnedest to make sure that I can show you that it can be done. Um, and an example of that is the NASA scientists that we had talked for the ASV on Sunday night. That, that came about 4 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. Hey, got two scientists. They want to do a talk for the ASV. Can you make that happen? Can we get a talk happening? I'm like, yep, let me see what I can do. And within 24 hours, we had a venue locked in. We had events, ticketing set up. And we were marketing it to the members and the public. Uh, and that YouTube video is one of the mo most, already one of the most popular YouTube videos the AC's had. Um, so it, my theory has always been things can happen. And because of that, I just started getting involved with the ASV and doing lots and lots of stuff with the ASV, yeah. uh, going to astronomy for the people so I could share um, the night sky with people. I don't know a great deal about it. I'm not not the smartest person when it comes to astronomy. Um, I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm not. I, d I don't ever profess to have the knowledge that a lot of the guys in the AC have. Um, my enjoyment of the AC comes from me being able to bring the right people in to give that knowledge to the public and to the AC members. Yeah. Um, I like I like creating the events, coming up with the ideas of this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, and people are going to love it, and usually they do. Um, but I'm not the one that will ever go, get up there and say, hey, I'm going to teach you about the Big Bang or I'm going to teach you about black holes or I'm going to teach you how to do astrophotography or this is how you read the night sky. That They're not my skills. I, I don't have that knowledge that, I, yeah. that the other guys do. But what I can do is bring the right people and put them in front of the right people. Yeah. And I love doing that. It's so much fun. Yeah. So for those of us who are not super familiar with it like you are, what are the different sections of the Astronomical Society of Victoria? Like Oh, there are I think there's over twenty different sections now. Mm -hmm. So let me see if I can remember. So we've got juniors, we've got radio astronomy, that's two. We've got deep sky, astrophotography, cosmology and astrophysics. We have a new astronomy group, we have a computer section, uh, we have lunar and planetary, solar. Um, new, I said new astronomers, didn't I? Um, we have Bendigo section for so the Bendigo District Astronomical Society merged with the ASV a few quite a few years, a few years back now, so they have their own section. Um, we have club section for new members to go to, or for members who just want to hang out with other members of the ASV at our lodge, and you can look through telescopes and that. Um, diurnals for those more retired members who just want to catch up and talk about astronomy. Instrument making section. There are others. Um, we've recently created a women's group for female members who uh, don't feel comfortable um, posting on our public groups or, you know, just want to do things with other females so that, you know, it's that sort of empowering them. And that group is um, starting to look at grants funding for, um, for 
underprivileged for women in all, you know, females in underprivileged areas um, to try and get them into astronomy. So that's a new part of the society that one of our female members has uh, been working on that I've sort of given her free reign to go and do because yep. it's important. It's important. Um, I think that's pretty much, oh, we've got a Shepparton section now as well. We have a Heathcote section as well. So our Heathcote, our Heathcote members can get together and our Shepparton members can get together. We have a loan telescope program. Um, so members can borrow telescopes. Uh, you can borrow a solar scope as well if you're part of the solar section. Um, it's not easy to get a hold of, but you can, can get it. I think that's pretty much all of them as he goes and checks out every website. <laughs> And so what do the different sections do? Is it more like getting together to do nighttime observing or is it um, more like discussions, talks, that sort of thing? Solar section meet once a month on a Sunday during the day, obviously, so they, they'll image, they'll view the sun and talk talk about the sun and, and whatnot. Um, lunar and planetary guys, they kind of do their own thing um, at home and then meet once a month and go, here's a pretty picture of the planet that I took and they'll talk about the planets and that. But, they, you know, we have Facebook groups for them all so that they all yeah. chat there and catch up there. Astrophotography guys do their own thing as well, but they'll also go up to the dark sky site on the new, yeah. uh, um, on the new moons and, and set up their gear and, and image from the dark sky site. Deep sky, um, we literally just meet once a month at the dark sky yeah. site on a new moon um, or near to a new moon and spend the night under the stars with the big 40-inch and all the 25-inch mm. telescope up there um, just viewing. So mm-hmm. Paul will put together a viewing list and uh, I think last month we had like 60 members turn up for mm-hmm. Deep Sky. Amazing. Um, the astrophotography section, they'll, they'll also do. Um, so uh, Sarah, who's part of that, Sarah Aurora, um, she's been doing some nightscape courses, photography courses for our members. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so do lots of training for them. Um, we try and put up on, a, on as many events as we can for our members uh, and the public as well. So. Very nice. Instrument awesome. making, they make telescopes in instrument yeah, making. Yeah. So that's what they do. They literally, they'll construct, they'll pop, grind and polish their own mirrors and everything. You know, so it's one of the more they, popular um, sections. That's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that surprised me. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so how it's made video, which went up on YouTube the other day about how sort of telescopes are made. And um, it's really cool because um, I've sort of heard about how big telescopes are made and it's very, very complex and things. But, um, yeah, watching them sort of grind this like mirror by hand, it's like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> So you're the president of the Astronomical Society of Victoria as of this year. So what do you do in the organisation? Um, so isn't that scary? I've got a dude with a rainbow hair, mohawk, <laughs> be the president of the ASV. Um, sometimes I have to pinch myself and go, holy crap, in the 100th year that the society has been around and this is our 100th year, I'm the president of it. I, I would never have thought as a kid, that you know, oh yeah, when I when I'm when I grow up, I'm gonna be the president of the Astronomical Society of Victoria, the largest <laughs> amateur astronomical sorry, the largest amateur astronomy club in Australia, if not possibly the Southern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Um that's and and during its hundredth year celebrations and being responsible for uh creating or helping create and coordinate and run um all of our events for it to celebrate mm-hmm. it. It's quite an honour, one I never thought I would. When I joined the ASV, I never thought that that would 
be something I would do. Never saw myself actually being on committee. Yeah. Um, but I didn't like the way a lot of things were going in the society. I didn't feel like, I felt like it was very insular. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a real boys club feel and it just didn't feel right, didn't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was, um, you know, a, a bit of a boys club all about protecting and keeping information inside the club and I'm like, hang on, that doesn't mm-hmm. seem right. That doesn't mm-hmm. seem like what a society like this should be doing. It should be doing more outreach. It should be sharing as much knowledge as it can because by sharing as much knowledge as you can, you get more people wanting to be part of the journey, therefore they want to become members. Yes. Um and so I joined the society, uh, sorry, joined the committee or council uh, as the, uh, what was I, visual aids merchandise, basically, mm-hmm. um, and then came on as the secretary and then last year as the vice president and then this year as the president. Um, and in that time, we've gone from um, not doing very much in a way of public outreach online to every single one of our monthly meetings, um, which are now called Astro Talks. Um, thank you for the uh, idea, TED Talk. We stole that one from you. Yeah, so uh, now all of our Astro Talks are streamed live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Um, now we have hundreds to thousands of people watching them now. Um, the one we did on the weekend with the NASA scientists, the YouTube pages, uh, the YouTube one has almost clocked over a thousand views already. Uh, thousand, over a thousand people got to listen to those people talk, uh, those amazing scientists who are talking about New Horizons and and the Lucy mission. Um, you know, so being able to get guys like Alan Duffy, people like Claire Kenyon, you know, female astronomers like Claire Kenyon, uh, yourself even giving talks, Dr. Sarah Webb. Um, that was one thing I tried to push very hard last year was more female scientists giving talks for the society um, because it's important. You know, we've had plenty of male scientists come on uh, and that's they're easy to get, but finding female scientists is not easy. Um, and so we made it a, a concerted effort to, to get as many as we could. I think we had 12 in a row actually. <laughs> Yeah, 12 in a row um, talk, which was great. Then I think it was broken by that run of female scientists speaking for the ASV was broken by Dwayne Hamaker talking about <laughs> indigenous, indigenous astronomy. Um, so, you know, uh, even pushing into those areas. Um, so just trying to share as much knowledge as we can. Yes. Totally forgot what even the question was now. I was rambling. Yeah. It was um, what do you do as a president? So well, that's what I do. There you go. That's what I do as a president. <laughs> uh, um, you know, uh, uh, part of my role as president is working on the um, a committee that a subcommittee that we created and we've been do, working on for the last few years to try and get an observatory built in the middle of Caulfield mm-hmm. Racecourse really? as part of the redevelopment. Um, you know that that's going along nicely. Whether that happens or not, who knows? It would be great <laughs> if it did, yes. but there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge on that one. Um, did you? Yeah. Did you um, creating your... creating events like Sea Lake Astrofest? The, 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 this is a massive event, so much so that ScienceWorks, while they can't be involved this year, want to be involved next year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Swinburne Uni and Osgrave coming up, and hopefully we've got Melbourne Uni as well, haven't we? Have we you got have to send me an email. You haven't sent me an email. I know. About it. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I can't do anything until I get the details. <laughs> All right. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll get that email to you. I'll cut that bit out, though. 
Um, <laughs> the team got Melbourne Uni coming up. Um, we've got the local council, Belote Council, working with us on this. See Lake community are loving it. We've got something ridiculous, like 28 events happening over the Melbourne Cup long weekend up there, public viewing nights, astrophotography sessions, nightscape photography sessions, um, learning learning to take sunset photos. Uh we have you, you and Dr. Sarah Webb speaking as keynote speakers up there. We have a Q&A dinner. We have a pub quiz as well event up there, a science in the pub quiz, um, science for kids, solar astronomy. The radio astronomy guys are putting something together to go up there for this event. Um, the first public viewing night is already almost booked out. I think there's less than 10 tickets left for it. So there's 150 people on Saturday, the 29th of October, are going to be going to that viewing night out at Lake Tyrrell under those beautiful Bornal One skies. Um, so, yeah, we've got doing things like that, um, things that we've never really done before, and all of that is sharing knowledge on in the world of astronomy and it's putting us out there and it's um, – getting people to know who we are and then saying, how can we work with you? You know, we're, do, we're finally starting to reach out into STEM. Um, and Chris Rudge has been talking to a lot of schools about how we can assist them from an astronomy mm. point of view. You know, a lot of schools have got telescopes, but they don't necessarily use them because they don't know how to use them. And, you yes. know, we were offering to teach them how to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think he wants to talk to you about telescopes in schools. Yes. So. Um, we can talk about that. Offline. <laughs> yeah, we talk about that offline. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I do with president. That, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So it's, when you started, when I'm guessing this was seven or eight years ago now, could you have imagined? Eight years this November, years? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, eight years this November. Could Yeah, could you have imagined this change in, in the society? Um, yeah, I could actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. After well, look, the when I very the very when I first joined, mm-hmm. um, I didn't consider it. I hadn't really. I didn't know too much. But once I got yeah. to know the society and what it was like, um, I I could see what it could be. Um, it's not there yet. It won't be there for a while. But it's in, yeah. so it's heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely heading in the right direction. So. Yeah, I'm really um, happy that I've been involved more because when I started uh, Masters, etc., I, you know, we never heard from the ASV about giving talks or anything. Um, you know, we would maybe meet one or two people at the occasional thing and um, it just wasn't that interesting getting any of us really to give talks um, and it's completely different now. It's like you're like, give me as many people as you can. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was a secret boys club. It really was. Yeah. Um, you know, it was you can't tell anybody about the location of this or you can't give this information yeah. out about that or why yeah. would we share this knowledge about this without, you know, we've got members to look after and um, it's really the wrong attitude, that insular negative, um, keep it to ourselves, uh, don't involve the outside world. It, it just doesn't work. Um, yeah. You know, knowledge is power. Um, and the night sky, I, I said this on an interview with the ABC when we really, when we um, had the grand opening for the All Abilities Telescope yes. up at the Dark Sky site. Um, yes. And I said it on the interview there, I said that you know, the sky belongs to everyone. 
Um, mm-hmm. We need to share it with everyone, and, and yeah. it's important. I mean, you look at what's happening in the world with uh, with NASA and SpaceX and ESA and you know with James Webb and that. There's so much happening in the world of science yeah. and astronomy at the moment that we'd be silly not to share that knowledge and have our members share their knowledge, and then that inspire younger generations to become members who then go on to do to university to do science and astrophysics and um, all of the other. You know, uh, all the other parts of all the, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, well, basically, just bring people into the world of mm-hmm. um, scientific research mm. because that's that's where it, we're going. Um, and the ASV can play a, a leading role in that, and we should. Well, my next question was what are your plans for the future with the ASV? But I think we've sort of gotten into I that. I think we've covered that off, yeah. 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 Um, to, so, to destroy it, burn it to the ground and take the money and run. <laughs> Probably don't do that. No. no well, that's, uh, look, not until the between, uh, observatory is funded. Just between you and I, that's apparently what I'm going to be doing. Oh, hang on, this is live, isn't it? Shit, so. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so my actually my last question for you, and it's sort of um, sort of two bits. So what's your favourite astronomical like object to look at and what's your favourite to actually image? Okay, so my favourite one to look at is Ghost of Jupiter. Um, I'm like a little five-year-old kid <laughs> when um, Ghost of Jupiter. It's like, oh, Ghost of Jupiter, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love it. Um, looks nothing like Jupiter. It's it's like a teal, bluey, green colour. Um, but it's just such a beautiful thing to see. Like you see that colour when you look at it through a telescope. Even from my backyard when I'm looking at it through a telescope, I see that, as I like to call it, I call it um, Gemini, Gemini teal. So the old um, Holden Gemini teal blue that you used to get, that's yeah. the colour that it looks like to me. Um, yes. And I just love looking at it visually. It's so cool. Um, so for anyone who had to look it up, this is NGC 3242, which uh, is a planetary nebula. It is a planetary so, yeah. nebula. And then you can see, like even, so I've, I have imaged it with my phone and you can even, if it, imaging it with a phone, you can see the star in the centre of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so cool though. It's a really cool one. Yeah. Um, imaging wise, uh, I did what all astrophotographers do as an astrophotographer, and I <laughs> cut my teeth on Orion. I really like Orion because um, mm-hmm. it's just cool. Um, yeah. But oh, it's a toughie. It's a toughie. <laughs> Hang on, I need to. I need to go and have a quick peek at my flicker. <laughs> The thicker, the thicker, the thicker. Let's see what we got. Um, I, I reckon I'm going to say um, tarantula nebula. Mm-hmm. That's a good and choice. it's nearly tarantula nebula season. So it would be a, t- a toss-up between three, tarantula nebula, Orion, and I quite like imaging um, the Lagoon Triffid area, mm-hmm. um, which I did last night, which is also the reason that, my video is probably jumping because it's stacking in the background and I can't stop it. <laughs> if I stop, I have to start it all over again. Yeah. yeah. I thought it would be finished before we started, but it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Tarantula is amazing. I um, I think I got my first two of it through a telescope, actually, at that um, All Abilities Telescope opening. I don't I may have seen it through one of the uni, Melbourne Uni's uh, telescopes, but definitely through the um, the bigger ones there. It's just amazing. 
I love it. Um, Especially when you put uh, like an O3 filter on it through mm -hmm. the visual telescopes and it looks like it's – so I always describe tarantula and nebula as a dead spider on its back with its legs. <laughs> that's, that's to me what it is, what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can see it. Yeah, sorry. Um, so should we move on to your quiz? I have been planning this one f for some time. I would say. Oh really? <laughs> Before I mentioned to you that we could do this episode where we drew each other, um, because Mark starts with an M, and one of the shows that I've been watching recently is the show Murder She Wrote. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, oh my god! Do you know what's really funny about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and and I shit you not that the lady from Murder She Wrote was Angela Lansbury. Yes, um, that's not one of the questions, but <laughs> I know. But she's the dead ringer of my nana, my mum's mum. Mm -hmm. Like we would joke that wonderful. my mum's mum that my nana was a, Angela Lansbury's doppelganger. So this yeah. is like perfectly appropriate. <laughs> Alrighty, ready? Yep. So you've got. Four out of five to beat. So um, we'll see how I'm you. I'm not going to because I did watch <laughs> Murder She Wrote as a kid with my grandmother yeah. and with my just in general. But I probably won't remember it because I remember thing things like um, the Hawaiian pizza I delivered delivered to the stoned guy up in uh, <laughs> uh, up in uh, Belgrave mm -hmm. in, in the hills there back in 1997 and it <laughs> sideways and the pizza fell out. Oh, and no. the dog ate it and then he scraped oh. it all back up. So I remember stuff like that, but I won't remember anything <laughs> from Murder, She Wrote. All right. So my first question for you is, which fictional character was Angela Lansbury's character, Jessica Fletcher, based on? Which fictional character? Uh, Inspector Clouseau. Uh, is that your answer? Yeah. Or is that? Uh, <laughs> no, so it's actually Miss Bubble from Agatha Christie. Because oh, they, so Lansbury go. had appeared as Miss Marple in a previous production. Uh, yes, we correct. Um, and they wanted to make a Miss Marple adaptation, and that didn't quite work out. So they sort of rejigged things into better. She wrote, um, which I think is very cool. Uh, sort of a, a character written by a famous author who then turns into a character who is a famous author. <laughs> All right, next question. Well, I have no idea. I'm, I'm going to get zero. I'm telling you now. That's, that's okay. Just... You have to set a baseline for, like, um, Everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many people live in Fletcher's hometown of Cabot Cove, Maine? Do I get a, can I get within a range on this? You can get within a range, yes, because it does change as the, uh, as the show goes I'm, on. I'm going to go 500. It's actually a bit more. Do you want to have another guess or – Oh, well, in that case, it's probably two and a half thousand. Close, yeah. So thirty five hundred and sixty. <sighs> so they do show occasionally. Uh, it, was not, of... it was never going to be a lot of people. It was no. always going to be, no. you know, under a thousand or under five thousand. All right, you may get this one. I don't know uh, which eighties private investigator had crossover episodes with Murder She Wrote. Oh, there was the dude, the dude with the white hair. I know who he is. I just can't think of his bloody name right now. <laughs> I'm right, aren't I? I don't know. It was a male one. It was a yes. male guy. Um, he was, I know that much. I cannot think of his name, no. I know the face. Um, the Dick Van Dyke character. Uh, as in played by Dick Van Dyke? Yeah. 
No. <laughs> no? Well, then it's no. the other one. There's another one. It was either one of those two, and I can't think of the other guy. <laughs> um, I know I know, Angela Lansbury and Dick Van Dyke did a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Movies and stuff together. Um, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, one of my favourites. Never forget that. I've only seen it That's once. a classic time. movie, classic kids movie, that one. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know his name, but I know what it, I, I, I've actually When I say it, will you be very annoyed? Like. Sorry? Sorry? It, we, when I say it, will you be very annoyed? Probably, because I know the person. I know the face. So it's it's a Magnum P.I. with Tom Selleck. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he did a lot of stuff like that back then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very common. Hate it when um, I know, but I don't know. That's <laughs> Alrighty, so that episode. One of my three zeros so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that episode was set in Hawaii, which is where Magnum P.I. was set. Uh, and so the first episode is a Magnum P.I. episode and then the second part of the story is a Murder episode. Yeah. It's actually not, not a bad one as crossovers tend to go. All right, how many novels has Jessica Fletcher written? Oh, dozens. She's written lots. Got a uh, more... I'm going to go with. 30. Probably going to be uh, higher than that, actually. It's pretty close. So there are 42 ones that are named in the show, but the actual number is never actually given. So some examples. The first one is The Corpse Dance at Midnight. Is a dirge for a dead duckswind. <laughs> um, Calvin Canterbury's Revenge, which a lot of these are just books that I would like to read. Basically every episode she's working on a, a different novel. <laughs> All right, and my last question for you, your last chance. How many Emmys did the series win? It was more than – it would be more than 10. I'm going with 12. 12? So yeah. it was nom- it was nominated for 41 Emmys but only won two in the whole oh. series run. So, so I really thought it would have won more than that. Yeah. Angela Lansbury was nominated every year from 1980, where are we? 1985 to 1996, but didn't win at all. So she is the record holder for the most Emmy nominations for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series with 12, one for each season, but she never won, which is also a record. <laughs> she really embodies this, like, widow, elderly, lives in a small town, just gets her nose stuck into everything that's not her business, but in a that's really terrible way. Nana. That is my nana. All righty, there you a, go. The, the joke was that you could never tell my nana anything because she would tell everybody, <laughs> and if you wanted everybody to know something, you would tell her. Yes. Then everybody would find out. I got you zero were, out of five. <laughs> I got none. You were recently <laughs> with, with, uh, with the population question, but. That's about it. Yeah, that's about it. Um, not the greatest when it comes to those sort of things. My knowledge, my 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 useless facts knowledge comes in the form of music. Um, <laughs> quite often, you can hear the, the very start of a song, like you know, a second of it or less even, and I know what the song is mm-hmm. and the band. Um, that sort of stuff I'm really good at. But TV shows that I watched as a child, no. <laughs> so. I guess that means it's my turn to interview you mm-hmm. now. It is your turn. <laughs> so because because we're two such interesting people, <laughs> we're not going to be able to fit this podcast into one episode. So we're going to do a trilogy in two parts. <laughs> and 
we will be back to be yes. continued. To be continued. See you on the other side of the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting us as we continue to learn on our podcast journey. If you would like to contribute to the podcast, you can head to www.patreon.com forward slash spaghettification podcast and support us for as little as one can of beer a day. 